there's this show on Netflix. I wonder if you've seen it. It's called Is It Cake? And basically the premise of this reality show is that over a few different rounds and a few different challenges, contestants have to produce a cake that is so realistic it can fool a panel of judges into thinking that their cake is the real item that it looks like. Before the contestants reveal the cake to the judges, they get to choose four other items to help disguise or take the judges' attention away from their cake so that the judges get confused and identify the wrong thing as being the cake. And for the most part, it's pretty impressive. But the thing is, part of the game is that the judges have to stand at quite a distance and the cake and the other items are each placed on the top of these big white pedestals. If one of the judges, though, were to walk over and throw all five of these items onto the floor one at a time, it would be pretty obvious which one was cake because a bowling ball made of cake isn't going to behave the way that a real bowling ball would when it hits the ground. It's going to go down with a splatter and not a thud. And a cake that looks exactly like a sneaker is still not going to be something that they can put on their foot because the fact is that it's just not the real deal. Being real has nothing to do with our outside appearances, but how we behave. Your true self is not necessarily your presented, put together self, but it's the actions that you carry out due to the convictions and the attitude of your heart. When God spoke to Samuel before he anointed David to eventually be the king, he said it like this. He said, man looks at the outside, but God looks at the heart. You just can't fake integrity. You can't fake strength of character. You can't fake doing the right thing in God's eyes. You can't fake the process of becoming like Jesus. You can't fake the fruit of the Spirit. Maybe to man who sees you from a distance, but not to God. The proof is in the pudding, and at some point, or probably many points, your integrity as a follower of Jesus will be tested. As Christians, our behavior is supposed to be consistent with that of Jesus. And when life and people throw us around a bit, we can either splatter or get stronger depending on whether we let our emotions or our convictions determine our response. Conviction is a pretty intimidating word. There's probably why we don't hear it too much today. It doesn't really fit in with a world that denies black and white most of the time. But think about where you do hear it though. When someone has been convicted of a crime, for example. I can find a number of definitions, but I like to think of conviction as meaning the truth is no longer negotiable. It's set in stone. A decision has been made that can't be wavered from. Conviction is established in our hearts through the Word of God and the Holy Spirit. Having strong conviction and maintaining it through daily communion with the Holy Spirit is essential if we are to live out our Christian walk with authenticity and integrity. When push comes to shove, if our convictions aren't strong enough to rule our thoughts and our actions, then our emotions will definitely push their way in. And our emotions can't be trusted to help us live an integrous life where our thoughts, our decisions and our actions are pleasing to God. Have you ever noticed that who you really are shows when situations arise that can either harm you or satisfy you? 
What do you choose in those moments? Do you choose the right thing that might mean social harm but leads to satisfaction in the end? Or the easy, satisfying thing that in the end leads to sin and harm? Think about David. In 1 Samuel 24, we find him on the run from King Saul, who's trying to kill him out of jealousy because David has basically become a superhero in battle. And David and his men are hiding in a cave when Saul walks in, and he has the opportunity then to kill Saul. And initially he feels a sense of satisfaction in this, but then his godly conviction kicks in and he realizes that it's not his place to kill the man in which God has appointed. And so he spares his life and instead just cuts off a section of his robe. And then David even feels guilty for damaging his robe, even though he didn't hurt Saul at all. And this is what Saul says in response once he realizes that David could have killed him and still chose not to. Saul starts weeping and he says, you are more righteous than I. You have treated me well, but I have treated you badly. You have just now told me about how good you were to me, the good that you did to me. And the Lord delivered me into your hands, but you did not kill me. When a man finds his enemy, does he let him get away unharmed? May the Lord reward you well for the way you treated me today. I know that you will surely be king and that the kingdom of Israel will be established in your hands. Saul hated David because he threatened his kingship. But in this moment, Saul realizes because of David's integrity that he had the call of God on his life. I love how this story shows that when we allow the conviction of the Holy Spirit and the truth of God's word to be the thing that dictates our behavior, it softens hearts and it points people to God. Now contrast this with how David responds to the temptation of seeing Bathsheba bathing when he lets his emotions and his flesh determine his behavior. He ends up lying and scheming to kill an innocent man whose wife he's just slept with so that he doesn't have to suffer the consequences. But of course, as we know, all of that backfires because God looks at the heart. The right thing, the spirit-led thing, the thing that aligns with God's word and his heart for people versus the selfish thing, the temporally satisfying thing, the hidden dirty things. David allowed himself to be persuaded from his convictions. He tried to present as the honorable king on the outside while rejecting God's ways in his heart and his actions. Sometimes we slip up in the heat of the moment, but this kind of persuasion doesn't always happen in a moment. Persuasion looks like erosion, small compromise after small compromise until our convictions are no longer a part of who we truly are. Song of Solomon 2 verse 15, it says that it's the small foxes that ruin the vine, the little lies, the nasty thoughts, the sinning and anger, our language, our speech, gossip. There are many things that the enemy would use to persuade us from our convictions so that we look less like Jesus. We need to be so vigilant and consistent in matching our lives to the one that we follow. One worldview that I'm sure we've all heard at times is the sentiment of being true to yourself. But as stated in Jeremiah 17 verse 9, we know that the heart is deceitful above all things and beyond cure. Being true to ourself doesn't equate to living our best life because there's evil in all of us. 
there is only ever one version of ourself that is worth being true to, and that is the no longer I who lives, but Christ who lives in me self. If you have accepted Jesus, then your truest self is the self that has been born again and is now alive in Christ. Your true self is the self with the Holy Spirit dwelling inside of you that brings conviction and guidance and counsel. That is how you be authentic. That is how you be real. Your words and actions match what you believe and reflect the person that created you. You can't be true to yourself if you don't stand by your convictions established and prompted by the Holy Spirit. The voice of the Spirit is the voice to listen to, not the voice of our body. If who you really are reflects more of you than Christ in you, then maybe it's time for a bit of a realignment. When it comes to living a holy life, none of us are perfect, even with the help of the Holy Spirit. We often fail, but our conviction about who God created us to be and who He created us to represent give us a point of alignment to come back into. And that is why repentance is so important. When we repent, our heart is aligned afresh in relationship with the Father and living a life that is pleasing to Him becomes our goal again. The good news is, that we aren't given a fixed amount of repentance tickets and when we use them all up, we're done for. Repentance can and should be a regular aspect of our communion with God. It's a sign that we're not too proud to come to Him when we've done wrong and it shows that our heart is soft with the desire to please and worship Him. Repentance is being real with God and I believe that it also enables us to be real with others. I think that when we repent and pick ourselves up and accept His help to keep living the life that He intended for us, it makes Him proud. Sometimes staying the path and having integrity as a Christian may come with sacrifices. It's not always easy. But be encouraged that when it seems like you're losing out because of a godly choice, that God sees your heart and heavenly reward is far greater than earthly satisfaction. It matters that you get real with God and become familiar and obedient to the Holy Spirit and allow Him to lead you in real, authentic, steady Christian living. So we've just heard from Pastor Meg on the topic of integrity. And we're gonna keep the conversation going in our connect groups with these discussion questions. Number one. Have you ever tried to present as someone or something that you're not? Why is this a problem? Number two, what small compromises have you made or do you make that have the potential to persuade you from your convictions? And number three, read Romans 12 together as a group. Discuss the ways this scripture leads us in living an authentic Christian life reflective of Christ. And then once you've discussed those questions, there'll be some prayer points on the screen that you can pray for as a group. Thanks for watching guys, and we'll see you next time.